0: For tuning in to Levant X's podcast, today's political segment is focused on digital activism and how it's been a driving force in both the Lebanese revolution, plus in raising funds and relief for the victims of the Beirut blast that took place on August 4th. Now, in Lebanon and the rest of the MENA region, there has been a rise in citizen journalism people are taking things into their own hands due to the lack of trust and transparency in these parts of the world. And populations are beginning to also realize how government censorship and political agendas are actually affecting the news delivered to us by traditional media outlets. Now, I've asked a wonderful lady to join us today. Her name is Paula Naufal. She is joining us to discuss all of the above points that I've just mentioned. She is a journalist at Annahar. It's uh, both a newspaper and it can be found online. Now, she has spent most of the year, well, this last year on the ground covering protests, the aftermath of the blast, the economic crisis, and the different political factions in the country. Paula has also fallen victim to both tear gas and violence by the government. Paula, thank you very much for joining us today and we are so happy to have you with us.
1: Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me, first of all. I'm excited to be on this new podcast. (laughs)
0: Thank you. uh, I know how busy you are, always running around, filming something, doing something. So um, I just wanted to start off this podcast for those that might not understand what we mean when we say both citizen journalism and digital activism. What does that mean to you as a journalist? And how are you seeing, uh, where is your place in all of this? Uh, So you asked about citizen journalism in specific or... uh... So we can start on citizen journalism for now. Just give us your opinion on that. And how how is it both maybe hindering or helping uh, you tell the news and, uh, you know, uh, manage to deliver something that isn't necessarily fake uh, or people find more credible?
1: So the thing is, citizen journalism, like almost everything in life, has its uh, pros and its cons. Uh, So, of course, in a very fast-paced world, citizen journalism has proven to be very effective in delivering instantaneous news, and sometimes news that the media outlets don't see as relevant or important enough to put breaking news for or to send a a push notification on. So this has helped a lot. Uh, But the problem is with citizen journalism that... It's at the end of the day. It's not an. They don't. These journalists don't fall under an institution, so there's no one monitoring their work per se. So it's been harder with the realm of fake news, uh, with spreading bias or mis- like misinforming people. Uh, but I think, for example, during the revolution, I worked on both. So I worked with Anahaj on delivering news whenever deemed relevant, or on hosting people or being on the ground covering. And at times, uh, something would happen that isn't maybe big enough or something that can't take its own segment or its own time so I use Twitter and Instagram to uh, to say what's happening just very briefly or to be on the ground going live from Instagram so I've I've done both if you want the normal uh, journalism and also the citizen journalism part of it and I think if people have social responsibility which I think we lack of in Lebanon uh, I think citizen journalism can be useful as I said in a very fast-paced world
0: yeah, I mean, uh, if we just look at it, there are a couple of people that have suddenly come up, you know, since the October 17, 20, uh, sorry, October 17 2019 revolution that started in Lebanon. You've got um, a couple of people and we have, we, we're we going to be talking to them. Last week, we spoke to Sam al Next week, we're going to be speaking to Muayn Jabir. Um, You have G- Gino Raidi. You have a lot of these people that wouldn't class themselves as journalists. However, they do fact check. They do um, make sure the news that they're putting out there is something uh, credible and has depth. Uh, they do tend to go against the traditional media outlets. Um, and they sometimes tend to be the ones that are actually breaking the news. So uh, I, I do understand when you say to me, you know, there's this lack of social responsibility. However, you, you are finding that... Um, Uh, there are a lot of people that are, are taking all of this into their own hands and are actually being quite successful and developing a following, a credible following, wouldn't you say?
1: I do agree to some extent, but I've seen a lot of people who are in a position of influencing others who have a big following and they sometimes don't fact check or maybe they exaggerate. So it's a bit frustrating being like a journalist and having to fact check everything to see some news spread on social media by very big names that aren't 100% accurate. So that's a bit scary. Um, in terms of also the funding is the problem. So when you're an independent citizen journalist, it's hard to maintain, uh, To maintain, let's say there's no salary or there's no income. So it's being hard for them to maintain their work. So for example, you just gave an example of Gino Raisi. Well, Gino was doing amazing work on ground. He was really doing some great work, but uh, he declared, he stated a week ago or less maybe that he's going to start doing the, maybe more of pods cast that are going to be paid so you would you have to have a membership at gino's website so it's not sustainable that's the problem with it if you want to be all the time on the ground knowing the latest news breaking the news you have to have some source of income from it because it's going to take up a lot of time and that's the problem with it and i just gave the gino example to show you that even big names they can't keep up with it all the time with zero income definitely definitely My, my but my question to you now is I mean it's
0: I think it's very hard to find the line or to, to to draw the line between what a citizen journalist is and maybe a digital activist. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. talking to you um I can I, if I was watching you uh just on your Instagram I would possibly say ooh journalist mm, digital activist very it's a very mm-hmm. dodgy line. So I think maybe with you specifically you don't necessarily come out and um denounce the government per se, you tend to just break the news as such. Um, But someone like Gino Raide, I would consider him maybe more of a digital activist. Now, maybe for our listeners, you can try to help clarify what, what, what the two are.
1: So honestly, like, you're 100% right. So when you're not only breaking you, you're the news, when you're giving your opinion on things, when you're being very opinionated, it falls into more of the activist type of category. And when you're just merely saying what's happening and what you're observing, then it's more of citizen journalism. But I do agree with you. The line is very thin between the two. So sometimes on Twitter, I act as a journalist, as a citizen journalist, and sometimes I'm very opinionated. So even within my like within myself I find it difficult sometimes to categorize myself within the two you know Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I just put out my opinion there and sometimes I just put uh, news as they are so it really depends on on the setting on what's happening on you know so if you want to give your analysis about something Uh, so it also depends on how people identify themselves so there's a few pages on Instagram that are playing the role of citizen journalists. Uh, there's like, for example, The lawyer there's Political Pen, uh, whereby they state news, uh, just breaking news as they have as they happen throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And they rarely put their opinion. But usually these types of pages don't have a face. So they don't have the face, the page doesn't have a face. It's just, for example, a text or a picture of a graph or in-text uh, picture. So there's not a person talking. When you look at more of the digital digital activists and digital activists it's more of maybe people uh, video, like taking a video of them speaking or them interviewing someone or them just filming the ground, you know. So I think this helps people maybe categorize citizen journalism into activism, although it's not very specific. But from what I've noticed in Lebanon, uh, this is how it usually goes.
0: So Paula I want to ask you a question now I mean this is just a chat uh, I'm not here interviewing you or judging you or uh, we're we're just having a conversation we're trying yeah, to bring some uh, points to light um, and politically we all know that not just Lebanon but the whole Mena region is in this weird wave with israel making peace deals with gcc countries and you know there's a there's a lot of things happening in uh, in our region right now and politically do you feel those that were once maybe considering themselves as citizen journalists in the next couple of months let's say Uh, maybe as the run up to the elections for Trump or the one year anniversary of the Lebanese revolution, which is going, which is just around the corner. Um, Again, all of the peace deals that are going on, the Palestinians, we haven't really had a word from them, you know. So uh, do you think these citizen journalists are going to maybe flip the cards and start to become a lot more digitally active to be able to maybe have some political opposition?
1: So I, I just want to make sure I got it correct. But on which stance exactly? On global affairs or on the regional affairs? Or maybe on I'm just how- trying to I'm
0: just trying to cover them as as uh, as a whole now. Like, it, do you think that a digital activist has the potential to possibly become a, a political opposition or come to, to maybe even consider working towards or with political parties that might just be coming to light due to mm-hmm. the amount of news and change that is taking place in the MENA region currently.
1: To be very frank with you, uh, this has been an issue on my mind since October 17. Let me tell you why. So a lot of people never used to watch the news. They did not know anything about what's happening regionally or in Lebanon or in the US or wherever. And as soon as the revolution started, they pres- they embodied themselves as political analysts. Mm. So I've seen this phenomenon, a phenomenon a lot. Like people actually go to university and they study political science, or they work in the field, or they've done some type of work that gives gives them credentials to be able to be a, a political analyst. So I feel a lot of people during the revolution, because of everything that was happening and the overwhelming news from everywhere, everywhere they went, they felt that they could become uh, as uh, they could become politically opinionated about things. Mm-hmm. Some people some people who were activists, so here I have to emphasize being an activist is not being a political analyst. There are two different things. Mm -hmm. So when you're activists, you're on the ground, you're stating certain things, but you're not an analyst. So so a lot of activists have, have embodied themselves as analysts and a lot of them have want to go down in the next elections or form an opposition group or want to, I don't know, become the next ministers in Lebanon in the new cabinet. So I've seen this a lot. So I want to say something important on this point. So it's very good for people to learn what's happening around them. It's very good to educate themselves, but it's also good for them to know not their limits, but that this takes time. You can't over a few months, build a portfolio of political analysis. It's much bigger than just being part of a revolution. So to answer your questions, can activists eventually become political oppositions? Yes, they can but given the right way. So doing proper research, understanding politics and political science as a whole. So you have to understand the science. You have to understand terminology. You have to understand regional politics. It's not enough for you to be just an activist on the streets, for you to be able to form a political opposition.
0: I I completely agree with you. I I mean, I I feel this myself. I'm I'm an ex-journalist turned citizen journalist, turned digital activist, turned podcast. So, Mm. I mean... It's very, and I try to refrain from making political statements per se, because Mm -hmm. as you said, it's a science. You can sit, we can sit and analyze all we want. But again, they are, they are all theories. And for those watching, they might not understand that we are discussing a theory or um, trying to analyze a certain uh, subject. They might be taking what we're saying quite literally. So... uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm completely on the wave that you're on. That's why I'm posing this question to you for the others' mm-hmm. it, to be, be able to hear what you have to say. And again, Paula, you're quite young, you know. You're, I wouldn't say that you're uh, a, a really um, experienced journalist per se. You're, 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 you've done quite a lot. You've been, you've seen, you've written. You're extremely eloquent. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about Christiane Paul. We're not talking about Becky on CNN these people uh, are uh, journalists. So when it comes to you, how how do you feel that your followers are engaging with you? Do you think they're engaging with you for more of an opinion? Or do you think they're engaging with you because they trust what you are
1: giving them as news? I think it's a bit of both because I've seen comments regarding both. So for example, someone uh, tweeted last week, randomly, they tagged me. They're like, uh, when Paula posts something, I don't even doubt for a second. I know she, has, uh, she's always, she always posts credible news. So I've seen this comment a lot. And I've also been asked and commented on my uh, tweets and Instagram feeds about my opinion. So I've seen a bit of both. Of course, I'm not like the big names, big names you've mentioned. This is for sure. Uh, but I've worked on myself. I've been at Anohar for five years and I've been at different places. Not only. So I haven't only done journalism. I've worked as a communication and outreach expert. I've worked at the UN headquarters. I've worked at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. I've worked with USA. So I've worked with various places alongside my journalism career. So my, my scope my, my perception isn't only limited to just delivering news, you know. So I wanted to be more analytical. I wanted to have better communication skills. Uh, I wanted to be able to report, uh, like to write reports and write briefs, uh, write speeches. So for me, it's a mix of experience. It's not only that I've been a journalist for five years, which has helped me maybe. And the thing is, uh, so when I got attacked in Beirut, of course, that gained me a lot of followers and traction and people started knowing more Paula, obvious. Paula, before, before you go into yeah. those details, we haven't told our listeners yeah. what happened to you in Beirut.
0: So <laughs> all they've heard now is, my attack in Beirut, no one's going to know what happened. So you might actually yeah. have to go back a few steps. Now, yeah. um, those who, who are not sure what Paula is talking about, she's going to elaborate what happened. Um, and this was about a year ago.
1: Yeah, it was last December uh, and uh, I was covering... Uh, uh, I was covering a protest happening because, okay, so basically, let me go actually one step uh, back also. So There was a lot of floods at the time in Beirut and the streets were flooding and there was so much water and uh, it was really messy in Beirut. So protesters decided to go to the house of ex-Ministers of, uh, of Works, and there were four at the time. So they were passing by their cars, stopping down at the houses, uh, going down, throwing empty garbage bags and protesting, chanting a bit, and then going on to the next house. So I was covering that specific protest, and I was in the convoy in the car, and we were going from one of the ministers' ex-minister's houses to another, and we passed by, because I was literally on our way, and we passed by uh, the Speaker of the House's house. And that's when the, his guards uh, attacked attacked all of the protesters. Uh, they attacked journalists. They attacked everyone, broke their cars, uh, smashed their faces. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Uh, so what happened was, I don't know, like, I know it's it's going to be weird for them to hear this because this is not something considered very normal because yeah. protesting is at the end of the day, like a right people have. Uh, but uh, he's. He's one, of the, he's one of the men that feel that they deserve to be in power at, at whatever cost and no one has the right to criticize him. So when people just approached his house, he felt like uh, he felt personally attacked. Yeah, intimidated. Yeah, yeah. And although people weren't protesting under his house, they were just passing by to go to, a, to another ex-minister's uh, house. But so it was sort of maybe attack- like
0: a warning of don't come
1: here. Yeah, it's true, but it, they did, people, the protesters did go again in a few months, so they didn't, that didn't work. So what happened was one of the parliamentary guards smashed my core and smashed my face, and my lip was bleeding. And at the time, I took a video, and I was, like, crying, and my lip was all bloody, and I was saying they hit me, and I told them I was a journalist, and then there's a video of me filming the actual moment. And it showed that I was in my car doing nothing. And, and he came up to me, I'm like, I'm a journalist, don't hit me, but he hit me regardless. So that went viral in Lebanon and I was hosted on many news outlets. And a lot of people interviewed me about this specific incident, like about how journalists are being attacked for absolutely no reason for doing their jobs and whatnot. So this is what happened briefly. Now, how much how much are you seeing
0: that taking place now? I mean, the, we, the, we're talking about nearly a year ago, and this still hasn't subsided, has it?
1: It has not. But I think, honestly, like when I'm on the ground covering, uh, they're not that aggressive with us anymore. So maybe just the parliamentary guards. They are always are so. Whether it's at the Speaker of the House's house or near Parliament, this specific uh, this specific. Uh, I don't know what to call them because they don't have a... Like, they don't have a title. So the parla- yeah. let's call them the parliamentary guards. They're the ones that are most aggressive. So most people are scared of them, protesters, journalists, because sometimes they use the live bullets sometimes they hit you with sticks so they don't care they actually don't care but when we talk about the internal security forces and the Lebanese army which are on the ground i'm not saying they're perfect and they're so uh, amazing and fair but the thing is they that they take into consideration that a, a person is a journalist to some extent so a lot of times i would be on the ground covering and they would come up to me like want to push me away or say to move and i'd say i'm a journalist and then they'd let me be them they're just let me be and i think it's more because of they know how the public will react and how the international community will react like it's not a nice it's not very nice to say on the for example it's not very nice to say that the lebanese army is hitting the uh, is hitting journalists on the street yeah
0: definitely i think you wanted to step back because you were telling us you know before your attack and then and then i had to cut you off to so you can tell the yeah. audience your story i'm sorry if to cut your trade of thought but if you'd like to go back there
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So I was saying you were asking me, I believe, about how people uh, do people come to me for opinions or just news. And I was telling you. So even when that story went viral and I got a lot of followers and people started knowing more of me because the whole thing just it was everywhere. I think I used that incident in a positive manner meaning so okay this happened to me but what else do I offer okay I was a journalist who got hit but what do I offer what am I good at what am I good at portraying and if they and like anyone can go check for example my CV on LinkedIn or on even on Instagram I put a brief on what I do they see that I come from a credible background so it's not this girl was at the beginning of her her career and she got it and now she's famous, you know? So I've I've taken, people have seen that I had the experience before, but my name wasn't just that, known. but I've had the experience. And I've used my platform in a way to raise awareness, to shed light. And most of the times when I put my opinion on things, I'm not the type who goes out and they curse and they just make fun of things. Although sometimes I do, I do use sarcasm to portray my opinion, but most of the times I use facts, I use analysis, I use theories, political science theory. So I just don't go out there and speak for the sake of uh, speaking. Um,
0: Thank you for clarifying all of that for us because I think people really need to understand that. Again, everybody, you can follow um, Paula on Instagram at paulanalfal and uh, we will be putting up her handle and stuff like that. So you can... uh check out everything that she's referring to. But there is something I wanted to talk to you about. The last thing, um, Paula, we were talking about uh, the political future of Lebanon. And I mean, this is this is currently really just changing and changing and changing every day. I mean, yesterday we had a prime minister. Today we might in the next couple of hours not have a prime minister. In two days we might have a government next week. It, hmm. it's, it's becoming absolutely ridiculous. Now, do you find yourself maybe looking into getting involved in developing or assisting, we would say, a political opposition to the people that are currently in power?
1: Currently, no. The reason is that our political, our opposition is very scattered. And they have too much, too much, too big of egos to even collaborate or cooperate. So there were so many opposition groups on the ground, which like by themselves, they're great. But at the end of the day, we need numbers. So the opposition needs to sit together to form maybe a unified coalition. But every time they try to do that, they just end up fighting because they don't agree on points, they don't agree on strategy, they don't agree on anything. So when I look at this, I get frustrated, like our numbers are, are still not that big. The political party still has a big fan base. The only way to have a strong position is for them to have a coalition, at least for the time being. And when I see that they don't even try to do that, or, or they're fighting and doing that, and perhaps other groups, by the way, other opposition groups are isolating themselves or making fun of other opposition groups uh, i've been saying this a lot on twitter and it's very frustrating uh, political opposition groups are for example making fun of other uh, other groups and how they're working or how they're assisting or whatnot so uh, this is really frustrating for so the instead time, of I actually, actually
0: think- sitting on the table and doing a strategy and getting yeah. things in order they're wasting their time just pointing fingers and has stupid remarks <laughs>
1: Exactly. Like, I don't want to say that, but yeah, the the remarks are extremely stupid and very useless to say, and it's not the right time for them. Like, once they're all in power and everything, and we have a proper system, then they can fight again, have a political fight. But for now, we need to have a strong opposition. So for now, I think... From my side, I'm just working on being, on observing what's happening, on being involved from uh, an analytical perspective on delivering news rather than helping the political opposition. I do believe if there's a, a strong political coalition in the next parliamentary elections, I'll definitely vote for them, without a doubt. Uh, because we need to start from somewhere. But at this pace, if they're going to keep bickering over the silliest and stupidest things, we're not going to get anywhere. The, the political class will still be in power and they're still going to remain strong. And we're just going to keep bickering about uh, the, the, the how to protest. Because, you know, one of their main arguments is the way to protest. So some groups are saying we want it peaceful. Some people are saying, no, we want to break things. Some people, so, you know, it's really silly things. So, yeah. So as a
0: a citizen of Lebanon and someone who has the right to vote, if you went into an election in the next couple of months or or you wouldn't even know what to vote for, would you be putting a blank
1: card, let's say? I think honestly, like honestly, I prefer voting for any opposition group than not to vote because a blank vote is still going to hurt, you know. But of course, I'd rather ha- that them have a coalition because maybe I'm one person who thinks this way, but I've heard a lot of comments from fellow, uh, fellow uh, I could say not journalists, even fellow activists, fellow journalists, fellow friends that have been saying if there's not a strong political opposition, we're either not going to vote, or we're going to just leave the country because that, that means it's hopeless. And some are even considering to vote for a political party in spite of, an, of the opposing political party. So they're like, okay, why would I vote for the opposition group if they're still weak and scattered? Let me vote for someone who would oppose my most hated party. Well, Paula, that's
0: uh, that, I think that rounds up our discussion for today. Lebanon yeah. remains uh, in question. Um, actually, the whole MENA region remains in question. I think we're all sitting waiting to see what's going to play out. And um, I'm both uh, a citizen of Lebanon as well. And I I have the same questions you have. And I'm wondering the same things you're wondering. So I'm so happy.
1: uh, And I think just uh, one more thing. And I think the next... Eight hours to 72 hours are going to be very crucial on the Lebanese political scene because if the French initiative does not work and does not follow through, I think we might as well be the next Venezuela because our reserves are almost out. Uh, Probably they're going to remove the subsidies of medication, wheat, uh, just everything. So I think we're on a really dangerous crossroad and the next 72 hours will probably dictate Lebanon's future for the next five years.
0: Well, hopefully we'll have you back on our <laughs> back on <laughs> as things start to develop in the country. This is a very nervous laugh for everyone who's listening. I'm not exactly finding any of this funny, um, but it gets to a point mm-hmm. where you don't really know what to do. so you sit and laugh at yourself at the situation yeah. because exactly you're completely hopeless and you don't even know what the future holds. You haven't got a, as you said, a political opposition, you don't have a coalition. There's, and it, it just seems to be very dark days. Hey Exactly, exactly. All right, Paula, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Um, it's been wonderful chatting to you, some great insight. Um, some good uh, points for those who are considering going to the ground, whether they be in Lebanon, Belarus, uh, South America, wherever you are, um, take things into consideration. Please really pay attention to what you put out there um, because it does have detrimental effects on uh, what's taking place, both politically and socially. So, Paula, thank you thank you for having me and for all of you listening you can tune in um, at levant x on our website so that's www.levantx.com you can find us on all of the social media channels as i said you can also go and follow paula and if you'd like to follow me that is at s Giziri. that is also on instagram so thank you all for tuning in today and good night